Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with the struggle. I'm Sean Lee. And I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. This week's episode, we talked a little bit about how James's routine has changed and in turn his wind down routines have devolved or not devolved, have changed into watching sports. That sounds right though. <laughs> <laughs> and we also talk a little bit about how I've been going through struggles, mostly my toddler going through his development phase and you know how he's struggling and how we're struggling as a family, but how at the end of the day, everything's normal. So enjoy the episode. What's up, everyone? This is James. Got Sean with me. Two weeks ago, we recorded a little bit at the golf course, but I think both of us realized it's a little bit harder to record while trying to play golf. Yeah. I mean, we did record for an hour, though. We did. I don't know how much content actually came from that because I think a lot of it was just me mumbling, grumbling about my game that day. (laughs) You and me both. You know what we might do? We might stitch it into the end of this episode just so that somebody cares to listen, they can listen to it, but they're not tortured to listen to it from the beginning, you know? That might be a good idea. Let's do that. But we we do talk about some interesting things on the course that we're going to cover more in depth today, Ashley. Yep. And Sean was just asking me how how my week has been. So it, it's been a couple of weeks since we last recorded. Sean was in Palm Strings for a wedding. Last weekend, yeah. Yeah. And in the last couple of weeks, I just realized that as I started to get more engaged with work, everything else in my life kind of just stops. So a big part of my life before work was spending a big chunk of time writing. And I kept it up for the first few months that I was working. And two or three weeks ago, I took a break. I was just tired. I was also on offsite. So it was difficult to do all that and then have all the events and then try to write at the end of the day. Hmm. Well, that's what started it. Yeah. So I decided to give myself a break. I reached 201 days in a row. Wow. And at the end, yeah, I was I was really struggling. And if anyone read my stuff daily, they would just see that. I mean, this is personally just the quality of my writing went down drastically. Once I started working, I didn't have much time to write. And I was just piecing together things after work. And I can just tell just by looking at my metrics, the number of views and everything, it just, it it dropped heavily, which was fine. I think that was because I was shifting what I was writing about. I was writing a lot about sales what I was learning. And a lot of my readers might have decided this is not really for me anymore. So they stopped reading or stopped following, which is fine. So I took a break and I haven't been able to pick it back up. But in replacement of that came this old habit of watching tons of sports. And I was just telling Sean before, October, in my opinion, is the best time for sports because football is in, it's like right in the middle of the season. NFL and also college football. Then you got baseball going into baseball playoffs. So that's super exciting. Basketball actually restarts soon. And so does hockey. So all these sports are starting to come back or in the end of the season. And it's super exciting to just keep track. 
where there's like always a game to watch. <laughs> just like I'm back in this habit. <laughs> Which is nuts, by the way. I remember it used to be like Sunday night football. Now it's like, was it always this way? I was like Monday night football, you know, like Thursday night football, Friday night football, Saturday night football. It's like, it used to be like, I feel like at least what I remember back in the day, it was just like, it was a special Sunday. Yeah. Right. Sunday night football. Sunday and Monday nights, maybe. Right. Or like the marquee like teams that, yep. that played. And then they added Thursday night football. It's been a while actually since Thursday night football NFL came. I think college, some teams would play Thursday nights or Friday nights. Yeah, but marquee games are always like Friday and Saturday nights for fo- college football, I felt like. Yeah. What's interesting now is Amazon Prime actually has Thursday night games this year for NFL. Oh, interesting. But the last couple games have been really, really bad. They've just been really bad teams. It's been painful to watch those games, which is weird. So I say that it's bad games, but I sit there and watch through it. But I mean, is it is it like, are you watching it to unwind or are you watching it to hang out with your brother? Like, does Eric watch it with you? Yeah, he'll watch it sometimes. Not much. He's in total study mode. So he's actually really disciplined about maybe only catching the game while we're eating. And then he'll maybe he'll come out at the end of the fourth quarter with like two minutes left so he can watch for a half hour if it's a close game, you know? Right. I'm trying to think where the habit of, of watching TV to unwind came from. I'm sure a lot of people might struggle with this and it might stem from as kids just wanting to watch TV so much. Let me ask you this because I'll, I'll share a little bit about my my family's habit. So we only watched TV at dinner time, hmm. and it was like dinner time was Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune in that order, right? Yeah. And that was kind of the only time we watched TV. And so I don't know if it's because of that. I never got into a habit of watching TV. I mean, I always watched TV Saturday morning. There was always Saturday morning cartoons from, I don't know, God knows when, 7 or 8 a.m. to like noon, right? That's when I think Saved by the Bell came on and the cartoons were over. But I uh, like the, the teenage shows came on, I think around like 11 or 12, uh, the teenager shows, not the kids shows. But I don't know if that's where I never picked up the habits so much. You know, what was your family habits in terms of evening after school TV watching? Well, our parents didn't let us watch TV. So we would sneak it before they came home. So just watch the cartoons after school. Until about what time? I don't know. Whenever the cartoons are over around four or five. Actually, now that I think about it, I think Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was on around four o'clock. Yeah. So we try to watch that. Did you guys have cable? No. I, I know we didn't have cable. We didn't. Robert had cable. I didn't have cable. <laughs> we just had the, I don't know what we had. Just antenna then. It just turned on. It was just an antenna. It just like worked. Yeah, it's probably just antenna. Yeah. Because Fresh Prince Bella, like all those shows are on public TV. Like that was on WB. Dude, that's so funny that now there's cable and thousands of channels to watch. Yeah, thousands. Endless. With anything. That might be something interesting too is because you have so many options, you can watch anything that you want. But at the same time, because you have so many options, you don't know what to watch. I mean, that's, that is the attention society. I mean, that's why everything is relatively free and the cost is our attention. Yeah. This does bring up like, I was trying to like, did I ever try to sneak watching TV? And I was like, yeah. I was like, after we went to bed. But then like back in the day at midnight, 
like PBS, some channels just like stop broadcasting. <laughs> or it's just infomercials. Yeah. And I was like crazy. The the cool new blender or the vegetable chopper. <laughs> right? But no, but remember when the literally the station would just turn to the the colors, like the chromatic, like six, five chromatic colors. You know what I'm talking about? Like the screen would just be like color bars. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> that's it. I remember that. Anyway, for any millennials out there, you can Google that. No, it's probably on a t-shirt now. It's like a cool thing to have. <laughs> probably. If I can probe a little bit more, I wonder then if it's not from your family. I don't think the sneaking thing, you know, because I snuck around to watch TV, but why didn't I stick to it? I wonder if it's from college. So I know a lot of like college students love to, like my roommates love to get together to watch stuff. Funny enough, like none of my roommates were into sports. None of us at Michigan State, like the all four of us, like we're not into sports. But they would watch like friends. They would have like Bob Ross on or they would watch like Borat. You know, like on repeat. You know, okay. So now that I think about this, I actually think if you're doing a habit that you're repeatedly doing, but it feels it's not helping your lifestyle or or you just think it's something that you shouldn't be doing that often, it might be because you're doing it out of boredom. So I, I think when people are bored, their immediate thought is to be entertained. And the easiest way to be entertained is television. I have a feeling that's my addiction. It's not necessarily being addicted to TV. It's being addicted to the easy access of quick entertainment because I'm bored. I want to unwind. I, I want to recharge or relax. And before it used to be like reading a book, I used to read a lot and somehow my mind has been rewired over time to want instant entertainment. Reading is not instant. <laughs> Maybe part of it is just like, if I were to think about it, and I, I do this all the time, like when we have a big change in our life, we're not very intentional about how we unwind within the new routine. The new routine being like, you know, your job. My new routine being like a newborn and a toddler. How do you even define what unwinding is? Right. Importantly, like, why? Why do you need to unwind? For me, if I were to define unwinding on the spot, it is doing something that I enjoy doing. Let me take a step back. It's doing something for me because I enjoy doing a lot of things. And I will say, like, when we had this new routine with the baby, what that started out was, you know, putter shopping, as you know, <laughs> just like scouring this stupid forum that our, our buddy introduced me to called GolfWorks, golfwrx.com. You know, there's like a for sale classifieds forum and people post on there all the time, obviously all day, every day. And just checking that forum like five times a day whenever I'm, oh, now I don't have any responsibilities. And it's so crazy because I, before that, I didn't have a habit of going on my phone because I stopped using Instagram. I stopped using like social media and all this jazz, right? I obviously, I've been on, on leave, on sabbatical for like four months. So I didn't need to check email or Slack. So I literally had no reason to be on my phone. Yeah, that's awesome. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, I have this like twitch habit, this tick of like, when I open my phone, it's like, oh, let me go to GolfWorks. And before I would just leave the page on. Now I'm like being like, no, shut it down. If you want to go there, type it in. Yeah. But what I'm trying to get at is I realized that I had not been intentional about what I want to do with my downtime. 
Yeah. And maybe that's when you default to something. Right. You default to what is the easiest. And I don't think it's an addiction. It's too early to say addiction. I don't think it's a bad habit either because, you know, you just restart it. So I, I don't think like, you know, there's like any kind of like lingering habits, in my opinion. It's just something you you want to do or you don't want to do. You enjoy doing or you don't enjoy doing. Because clearly, I think with anything like addiction, like short of like substance abuse, like we do have the ability, I think the, even with substance abuse, I think we do have the mental capacity to, we want to stop, we can stop. We have the will. Yeah. Yeah. And I think TV is just an easy way to fill the void. I think a lot of us have this unnecessary, I don't know if desire is the right word, a wanting to always have sound or be engaged. Some people always need music. They, they can't, you can't sit in silence. I find that a lot when I'm driving, even when I'm going somewhere for three minutes, I always need to have something on. Oh, that's interesting. Or like if I'm done with work and I'm sitting here and I decide to play with my cats, like I want to be watching something. I need some music or something in the background. Mm. Like you mentioned Friends earlier, right? That sitcom show. That used to just play all the time in the background. And maybe a lot of households do this. Mink does. Like Mink did that. Not anymore because we have kids now, but before right. kids, like she, it was always playing. It's just there. It's just background noise. Yeah. And the funny thing is like, I never watched Friends. Like I never watched Friends before. And now like, I feel like I know all these inside jokes. <laughs> like she used to have all these inside jokes with her brother. And I would just like not get it. And now it's like, <laughs> I get them all. <laughs> yeah. Got the keys. Yeah. <laughs> Unagi. <laughs> I mean, Friends is pretty great after I was like, wow, I'm glad I caught up on that. And the, the other thing she tried to get me caught up on was Full House. Like, it's like I missed the 90s, basically. And she, I mean, she like watched it. I, we didn't watch it, but the new Fuller House series that did come on. Supposedly it's very good. It's very, very good. It's very good. It's very family friendly. It is like wholesome family content. And that's like rare to say and see these days. Yeah. Yeah. Full House. I remember that. You used to watch that show too. But I mean, back to you. I, I mean, I, it makes me wonder like for, I know for sports, we talked about it before. For sports for you, for example, fantasy sports was a way to connect with friends, right? Yeah. I wonder, is this still like a, a way where like, oh, like because your friends or your friends enjoy, really enjoy sports, like it's a way to communicate with them to be like, hey, at least you can like talk about the latest plays or latest games, you know, or no. Maybe not so much. I just like watching the game or I used to. I realize I don't enjoy the sport as much as I used to because I think the game has, maybe it's me, but football, there it's just too slow now. There's too many interruptions. There's too much stoppage time. Even baseball, things just doesn't move as quickly as I remember it to. Baseball's super slow. Yeah, super slow. But I, I wonder if it's because we as humans have evolved in the past 10, 20 years to have this immediate need for everything to be resolved right away. I heard about the proposing that new baseball rule, the pitching timer. Oh, yeah. They're already trialing that in different leagues. I mean, that would definitely make baseball faster if like... There's like a countdown clock, like in basketball or football. It's just like, you got to make a play. Like, you can't just stand there forever. Yeah. And I think NFL and college football, they need to do something there too. But football is a little bit, 
I don't know how they would do that, but I think football needs to pick up the pace too. The games just aren't as engaging as they used to be. And again, but it might be because we have been trained to want to see action all the time. Oh yeah, because when you look at sports highlights, it's like top 10, like this, top 10 football, yeah. top 10 baseball, top 10 college basketball. It's like doom, 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 play after play after play. And for NFL, they do NFL game highlights. And sometimes all the big plays and all the highlights without the stoppage time, you can watch it in 30 minutes or less. Yeah. Compared to a three, three and a half hour game, even like baseball, man, like it might go for, I, I was watching last week. I think I watched them. Um, I didn't watch it all. I, I couldn't, but I think it was Astros versus Seattle Mariners. It went 18 innings. It was insane. Wait, who ended up winning? Astros. Okay. Yeah, my, my buddies are all like Seattle fans. Oh, no one's an Astro fan. I'm sorry if you're listening to this, but you don't deserve that world championship. I don't even know where they're from. Where were the Astros from? Houston. Yeah. I used to like them until they won by cheating. And now I'm just tired of them. <laughs> In the beginning of this episode, you said, you know, this is like a, either like a habit or addiction or something you default to. I think that's, if I may be blunt, I think that's an excuse because I think you did choose to do this. It's a choice. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely choosing to do this because I'm not choosing to do anything else. It's the easiest thing. Yeah. And, and you chose it partially, I think, because of the excitement that's tied with this time of year, right? Like you were excited that like when you told me like October is like the most exciting time for sports. And I was like, as a non-sports person, I'm like, why? <laughs> like, I have no fucking clue. You listed off like 20 different, you know, sports that are playing. Yeah. Maybe it's tied to an old memory. Oh, right. The trying to relive that moment of how exciting it used to be around this time. Yeah. With, with friends and family. Yeah, totally. Like Thanksgiving. Especially in New York or college, we'd like get together, watch games together. Yep. Yep. Play football. I was never into it, but I, I still remember like people getting together for, you know, Thanksgiving Day games just because, you know, Lions always played and then got crushed. And then Christmas. Yeah. And Christmas Day was. I wasn't much of a basketball fan, but there was always like big basketball games on Christmas. Like the Lakers always played, I felt like. Yeah. And as kids, like we'd actually play. We'd play together. We'd play football and then we'd go to someone's house and eat and watch the game and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. This would be the season for um for like Turkey Bowl and stuff. Yeah. The Korean churches, like the... Interesting. It's exciting. So... I think there's a lot of memories tied to it and trying to relive or bring back that feeling of joy. Nostalgia. A purpose. Yeah, very nostalgic. And over time, I've just forgotten the whole feeling of playing sports and instead might try to relive it by watching the game. I mean, James, now that's like fall and it's cooler outside, you, you should go find some leagues to play. You played soccer before, right? As well, didn't you? Or just football? Played a little soccer like a long time ago. I know there's like a lot of like, especially in Southern California, a lot of soccer leagues, like flag football leagues. and Yeah. I actually looked up some like ultimate Frisbee leagues too around, around Redlands. Ooh, dude, that reminds me. I had this other note to myself that I am not joining leagues because I'm moving like next year in May. I'm moving out of Redlands. And I realized a lot of my life, I always wait to want to like settle down into one place and to get like a whole structure around how I live. Do you do this? 
Do you realize that? No. I okay. For me, like <laughs> I feel like I'm waiting for my life to start, and I'm waiting because I think once I get to a physical location where I'll spend more than just a year or two, then I can really start to develop a routine around around my kind of lifestyle, the lifestyle that I want. That's interesting. Isn't that weird? And I, I was thinking about this and I was like, that is so stupid. <laughs> I mean, I don't know it's stupid. I, if I were to play devil's advocate here, I'd, I'd, I'd also wonder if the reason is because you don't want to build something and then have to like leave it. Like there could be some aversion to that. Yeah, possible. And I'm only saying that because if I were to dig to the root of like what I do, like I went to Beijing for like three months for an internship over you know my MBA program for the first summer. It was like a pre-internship. I knew I was there for three months, you know, and I just like made the most of it hmm. regardless because I had no reason to think that like, oh, because I have to leave this place that I'm going to, I can't stay in touch with these people or like the relationship or the value is going to be lost. Because I think in my experience, friendship and relationship and these things like connections, it's something that like you build and then you set a good foundation. And no matter what, odds are like there's going to be interruptions to it, right? If you don't move, they might move. If you don't start a family, they might start a family, right? Or something might happen. And, and then and then like you lose connection. Like Beijing, I met like 400 people that summer because I added like 400 different WeChats. It was like <laughs> I was very intentional. Like I want to just meet as many people as possible. Yeah. Man, that, that sounds exhausting. I mean, it was fucking amazing. I mean, out of like 400 relationships, like I probably had a great time with like 100 of them. Right. And then, like, I'm still check in like twice or three times a year with like 10 of them. Okay. That's pretty good. And it's just like, that's okay because, like, I had great new memories mm. from that time. Right. And so, maybe going back to what you're talking about, like, you're holding on to these nostalgic memories, which I used to do. I think what I did instead to shift myself out of this was like focus on creating new memories. Mm. And don't worry about the relationship so much. Oh, that's really good. Focus on creating new memories. Because clearly there are people that like you don't, that don't live close to you, that come visit like once or twice a year, but you still get together, you still catch up, and it's just like no time has passed, right? Dude, I really like that. Focus on creating new memories. The catch there is you didn't say focus on creating good memories. Focus on creating new memories. Because I think that even ties with what you're going through with your struggle. And maybe we can switch to you real quick about this whole last couple of weeks, how hard it's been parenting with two kids and maybe a way around any struggle, anything that we're really having a hard time dealing with is we can remember that they're new memories. We're living in this moment now. Yeah. New experiences. Yeah. That's life, right? Everything we've read is like, you can't live in the past. You can't live in the future. You can only live in now. And what is now? Now is like, now is about us creating a new memory. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, these moments that we have together, you know, us golfing together for the first time. It's a new memory. Using a new putter that you got me for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's interesting because our whole struggle with parenting the past two, three weeks is that we, you know, Miles is like, grown into a toddler. The funny thing is like the struggle is not even with the new baby. Like the newborn is just like, we know the drill. She just needs to be fed. She cries. And there's, we learned this new term. It's called period of purple crying. It sounds like a Prince song. 
they put a name to it. Basically, it's when kids learn to cry incessantly for no fucking reason. Like they just cry for like half an hour to an hour. And it's normal. Like there's nothing wrong with it. Like they look like they're in pain. But if it's like their diaper's clean, if they've been fed, you know, they're, you know they're not hungry and you try to feed them, they don't want to eat. And they're warm, they're dry, like they just want to cry. It's called the period of purple crying. <laughs> they named it. It's a developmental thing that I think most kids go through. Why purple? I don't know. Oh, the, oh, sorry. Purple stands for an acronym. They named it because they want parents to understand that this is normal. So purple stands for a peak of crying. Your ba- baby may cry more each week, the most in t- month two, than less than three to five months. Unexpected. U is unexpected. Crying can come and go. You don't know why. R is resist soothing. Your baby may stop, not stop crying no matter what you try. P is pain-like face. A crying baby may look like they're in pain even when they're not. L is long-lasting. They can cry as much as five hours a day or more. And E is evening. Your baby may cry more in the late afternoon and evening, which is like, check, 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 check. Huh. <laughs> you know? Okay. Interesting. But once we understood this, it was just like, all right, well, she's just doing what she's doing. Like she literally, last weekend, she was like, for a week, she was pretty much inconsolable. And the only way was like literally hold her and then walk around until she stops crying. Once that stopped working, I realized by me going up the stairs or down the stairs, it also soothed her a little. So then I just end up fucking climbing stairs for like half an hour. <laughs> nice. Get your 10,000 steps in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but long story short, like the, the biggest stress and struggles has been around actually the toddler because What's so funny is that, again, these kids are just doing what they're doing, right? Miles is going through what they call the terrible twos. I think it's a terrible name. I think it's like, it's terrible to label something that is perfectly normal. It's like labeling like a child trying to learn to walk and falling as like idiotic, you know, stumbles. (laughs) Like, you know, like just calling it something so stupid. It's it's stupid attempts at walking, you know? (laughs) You're... Give me a negative connotation to something that is just normal, that every human being goes through in life. And why is this important? Because it sets a wrong mindset for parents. It like tells you like, your child is not normal. Your child is being terrible. Your child is bad. Your child is like trying to like ruin your life, you know? <laughs> Going back to all the things we read, it's like these stories that we tell ourselves. And so we end up with, through these terrible twos, or as they call it, three-nager, they have a name for threes three-nager because they supposedly act like teenagers. Again, negative association. It creates these stories that like parents can't shake themselves out of. And it's it, it has very detrimental effects, not only for the parents, for the child, definitely. I think just for everybody. And so something that Miles started doing, as we talked about on the course, was that, you know, he's become very picky with eating. He's very independent now. He wants to make his own decisions about every fucking little thing, right? Mm-hmm. What pants I wear? Do I want to wear pants? You know, do I want to change my diaper? Do I want to wear this shirt? Anything. Do I want to brush my teeth, right? It's no longer like, hey, this is our routine. We do this now. It's like, hold on a second. Did I make this decision? <laughs> you know? Wow. And it's very challenging as a parent because you just start noticing all the things that like they used to do. They don't want to do anymore. But then all of a sudden tomorrow, they may want to do it again. This is almost an age where kids start to realize that they have a choice. Yeah. I think it's not that they realize it. It's that they instinctively, naturally want to choose. They're almost curious or want to question everything. They're curious. They want to question everything. And it's 
it's a survival instinct because you have to develop the ability to question things. Otherwise, you would just indiscriminately just like eat berries and leaves. Like you have to question, is this safe? Yeah. Is that environment safe? It is actually a natural thing. The problem in a family is that the adults in the house, right? We don't understand this. We, we think the child is misbehaving. We think the child is trying to like go against us. We think the child is like playing games with us, trying to fuck with us, you know, like <laughs> all these things, like resisting, you know, that's what some parents think. And then like there's parents like Mink then who's like a medical professional who will be like, oh my God, does my child have a medical problem? Do they have some kind of like, you know, if it's not like physical deficiency or like emotional deficiency, a mental deficiency, it's just like, oh my gosh. I'm just like, holy shit, dude. We, we need to chill the fuck out. Like, there's nothing wrong with our kid. He is being perfectly normal. We're the ones overanalyzing what he's doing, and we're not trying to understand why he's doing it. But the moment we try to understand why he's doing it, then it all makes sense. Because imagine yourself being an adult now, having gone through that phase. Who the fuck wants to be told what to do? James, time to brush your teeth. You're like, no, no, no. I want to decide when I brush my fucking teeth. You don't tell me when to brush my teeth, you know? Hey, James, change your shorts into pants. You'd be like, fuck off, Sean. You know, like, <laughs> I'd do that. I'll, I'll do that when I want to do it, you know? But we don't, we don't understand that because this whole time, just like you've been taking care of this child. You're like, you know, it's been doing what I wanted to do. Well, now it's not because it's, you know, they're an individual now. And we need to be okay with that. And so that's what I've been like coaching kind of the your partner and then like the other people, the other adults in the house, our in-laws on is just like, we need to start seeing this child differently not as a baby, but as a human being. And sometimes I even like fall out of it too, because it's, you have this expectation, like I have a schedule. I need to, I want to go do this. I want to go do this at this time. We need to go do that at that time. So like, I need you to do this at this time. And the funniest thing was like, I had to shake myself out of it. I was like, hold on a second. Cause our routine before was he wakes up, goes downstairs, sits down, eats breakfast, 7 30, eight o'clock, whatever the fuck it is. First thing he does is, is eat. And I was like, have we ever questioned, like, when does he want to eat? <laughs> right? Is he even hungry? Yeah, that's true. Instead, like, literally for one week, we just sat there, frustrated out of our fucking minds, like, want to blow our fucking brains out because it's like, it's been like he sits there for an hour and doesn't want to touch anything. He doesn't want to eat anything. And we're just like, well, you're going to sit here. <laughs> it's like, it's fucking dumb. <laughs> it's, it's really dumb how parents create these expectations because of our own schedule or whatever the fuck we want to do versus like, what does the kid want to do? So if the kid doesn't want to eat, what do you do? So literally this, like, I don't know why I didn't think of it. Like everything I'm going to tell you, you're going to be like, duh, right? I'm like, wait, what if we woke up and the first thing we did was go outside and throw a ball around and, and run around for a little bit and work up our appetites? Hmm. Huh. Novel fucking concept, right? Came back in, he ate. He ate fucking fantastic. He ate the best he's eaten like in, in two weeks. What if like, oh, he had a big meal last night. He's just not hungry this morning. You know, I had a 14 ounce steak last night. Nice. Ribeye. And like, I'm just really not that hungry this morning. What if that's the case? What's well, a big fucking deal? But because we create these expectations like, oh, I need to feed my child. I need to make sure my child eats breakfast every fucking day. It's just like, you will drive yourself fucking nuts versus like putting yourself in their shoes and saying like, hmm. I wonder why they're acting this way versus I think you have a problem. <laughs> I think you need to see like an occupational therapist to like 
figure out your problem. And it's just such a challenging thing, like I said, not because of the child. It's because of all the adults. Because we're used to, I mean, with two years, you're used to telling the kid, or not even telling him, just having him do what you need him to do. And, you know, when they don't, you think they're trying to be defined. Every stage of development of childhood, of just growing up, requires different types of parenting, right? I'm not saying like just be fucking lenient forever. It's just like this stage where they could barely communicate, they're just trying to like learn, right, about things. Like you need to be very supportive. I think once they can communicate, then it's just like you want to try to build routines and build some discipline, right? There's a time for that, time and place. This is not the fucking time and place. And I think like parents <laughs> don't realize that. Because you're so used to having them always listen. Yeah, exactly. The struggle is the adults because just because I see it that way doesn't mean everybody else sees it that way in the house. Yeah. And I'm sure every, every parent is different. Yeah. And for some parents, if you can't see it this way, it's painful. It's a huge struggle because then you're like, am I like, is my child malnourished? Am I like, you know, not being a good parent? Am I like not like able to like take care of them? Am I like incompetent? You know, you start questioning yourself. It's a pretty dark spiral you can, you can go into. But then like as another parent, you have to keep this shit together too. The biggest struggle has not been actually with Miles as like combative or like as independent as you want to be. It's actually making sure that everyone's on the same page that, hey, like we need to be patient with him. Like he's just going through something and we just need to be supportive. That's it. Yeah. It sounds tough. Yeah. But it's the same with adults, right? Like if you see like a family member, if I see a friend, like if I see you suffering, like what's your instinct? Like my instinct is like, man, I wish I could just fix your situation. Yeah. It's always about giving advice. Yeah. Over time, like I've been reading, you know, we've been reading these books, like especially this year, the books I've been reading that we've been reading. It's made me realize, especially that I think it was from Ram Dass, where it was like suffering is, is someone's right. Like you don't have a right to end someone else's suffering. If they ask you for help, yes, you can help them. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have a right to be like, I see you suffering, James. I'm going to take it upon myself to help you end your suffering, right? And to put it more into context for anybody who hasn't listened, it's like suffering is our, how we learn. It's how we grow. It's a whole no pain, no gain. We put it into a more layman's terms, like it's not your right to end somebody's pain. And that's assuming you can even end their pain, <laughs> you know? Right. Like if you're going through heartbreak, can I end it? <laughs> what am I going to do? Like go find, introduce you to 10 girls. Is that going to end it? Maybe, maybe not. You know, <laughs> like it could help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go down that path of conversation at this moment. And so if we're to tie it together, I do struggle with like, listening to people and giving advice. And one of the things I, I told Mink was just like, and I know especially with family or partners and spouse and stuff, sometimes they just want you to listen. They don't want a solution, right? Yeah, I think that's the best thing is some people, they just need, want to complain. They just need something to listen to. Yeah, and from a communication standpoint, I realized like if she is complaining about something, I'm going to start asking the question, do you want advice or do you just want me to listen? Yeah. Maybe even to ask that question towards the end, they might let you know by asking, what do you think? I think what do you think is asking for advice, whereas if they're just complaining and mouthing off everything. Yeah. Do you want to be consoled or do you want advice? Yeah. And I think that happens naturally if you just listen and you pick up on, on whether or not they want advice or not. Because I think if you ask most people when they're really, really upset. They definitely don't. Do you want advice? 
I think that would trigger me more being like, what? Like, no, even if I did want it. Oh, you think the question itself would trigger it? Yeah. I think if you just start with listening, Mm. let them complain. Right. And then like, as a conversation continues, as you're listening, eventually the conversation will evolve into silence. Like you might have to do this a couple of times. (laughs) Yeah. And like, at that point, it's like, okay, well, like, how can I help? Do you want me to just continue listening? Like maybe not even saying like, I have some advice. It's just letting them vent first and then having it naturally turn into them asking you either for advice or to continue listening. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Especially with a partner, you got to learn that. Because if you start it with that, especially if they're pissed, have you ever gone up to someone who's really upset at something and be like, dude, do you want some advice? (laughs) Do you want me to listen or do you want some advice? It'd be like, they would freaking explode. Yeah. And it's funny that you learned this through Miles because honestly, it's just you're just listening to him. Mm-hmm. Even though he can't speak. He's like, I don't want to eat. And you're like, oh, oh, he's not eating. He's he's telling me I don't want to eat. Okay. Yeah. I want him to eat. How can I get him to eat? Oh, let, let's go play ball. That's the most challenging thing is like he can't even talk. He can't even tell you. It takes an extra step to try to really understand that person. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they do say this, like kids are the greatest teachers in many ways. Definitely. Thanks for sharing. I think that's a wrap. I think that's pretty good for this week. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your your set as well. I'm going to figure this out. I think I have to li- just listen to myself. I think I'm telling myself something, but I'm, I'm not. I'm just ignoring everything I'm saying. <laughs> well, for our <laughs> listeners, to wrap things up, make sure you go out and make some new experiences today. Make new memories. Mm, new memories. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hopefully, it's just, I, I mean, I don't know what's worse, being hidden in the rough or in the trap. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. Are you you're kidding me? Heads up. <laughs> nice. Dude, great shot. Get in the hole. Go, go, go. That's just when, just when you're like, fuck this game and it like pulls you back in.